Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> right. This <laughs> podcast episode. Now, I've said it before. I have. Sit back, relax. But you're I'm all stressed. But I'm going to say it again. <laughs> This podcast is the best one I have ever, ever been involved in. It was the most nervous I've ever seen, yeah. I was so nervous before recording this episode of the podcast. It's unreal. By the way, guys, welcome back to Richard's yeah. Golf Show podcast. This is episode number 52. It is. We've got a guest on today, and we just spoke to him. He is one of the biggest YouTubers on the planet. He makes me look like a, a little tiny speck. Well, let me do a head-to-head, you versus him. You ready? Oh, thanks. So, Rick has got 1.3 million subscribers on YouTube. N- nearly 1.4, but okay. MKBHD, Marquez Brownlee, has got 13 million. So, <laughs> just just a tenfold. Um, wow. I think we've had 320,000... Uh, 320 million YouTube views. Which is, normally, I would flex about yeah, that you'd in be a well big way. That. He's had 2 billion plus... You're a small Two fish. Two billion views. How many um, are you got flex on Instagram these days, Rick? Like, hey, listen, like nearly half a million. He's got three million. Um, he's got 4.4 million Twitter followers, and he's just been put in the Forbes 30 under 30. He's like a tech entrepreneur, social media kind of influencer. So what you're trying to say, he's doing okay. He's doing all right for himself. So we speak today with Marquez Brownlee. YouTube channel MKBHD. Mm-hmm. He's a tech reviewer. I actually, listening back, I called him a golf reviewer. He did. I called him a golf YouTuber, which yeah. weirdly, in a weird way, isn't massively wrong because one of his first ever videos is actually a golf video. So long story short, me and Guy has been massive fans of his channel for a long time. Like He is the best of the best. When it comes to reviews, he's the best. When he's, it comes to tech, he's the best. He's the best. When, he comes, when it comes to making YouTube videos... He is what I want to become. He is the best. I think what's weird with this, this is the weird thing with this podcast now. People will either know who he is and almost be like, I can't believe he's on your podcast, or will have no idea. That's the weird thing. So weird. But if you know who he is, then you know how big deal it is. If you don't, listen, you'll hear how much of a fanboy we are. We were quite nervous. Hands up, we were quite nervous towards the start, so it was a bit <laughs> like weird. It's always weird because we're not with him in real life. It's done over Zoom. So... I've met I've met so many famous golfers, celebrities, you know, also I honestly put him in such high regard. I have so much respect for him that he is literally in my probably top to a lot of people, if someone said to me, pick your dream four ball, he now is in it. Yeah, after speaking so to him. Good. He was close anyway. He was maybe first or second reserve. He is now in it for me. So sit back in a moment because we're going to talk with Marquez Brownlee. We talk golf. We talk tech. We talk um, about all different stories. Honestly, I'm going to listen to this podcast many, many times back and relive the time that we managed to speak to him and 
there's a little teaser at the end of something mm. that may be coming in 2021 that believes me believe me i am amped for i'm still nervous now it's weird but before that before that we need to say a thank you to our sponsors the open podcast which is globally known now as a second best podcast in golf last week's episode which was a banger was the story of justin leonard but i actually didn't realize how close he came at carnoustie in 99 and um, he made the playoff but if he'd have parred the sec- um, 72nd hole he would have won it um which is mad because for me, I do remember, obviously, no Justin Leonard, but listening to how good he was as an amateur stuff, I didn't know. So that was interesting. That was a really good episode. Um, but speaking of Carnoustie, this week's episode is the story of 1999. And to me, Rick, and I know to you, this feels it feels quite like almost personal because we've spent quite a lot of time at Carnoustie, haven't we? We have, actually. The time when the Open was at Carnoustie and, and, you know, we did loads of videos up there and it's just such a magical place. We've played golf there before. Yeah, we Probably have. one of the only times we've played proper 18 holes of golf. Me and you. Yeah, yeah. and we also played with um, Paul Sutcliffe from the R&A, our of friend. Um, so, this is a little snippet of the 1999 Open, some would say the most dramatic Open of modern times. Guys like me, turn pro, and five handicap are not supposed to win the Open. Paul Laurie for a birdie. Oh, he's rattled in a couple of goodies. You're leading a tournament and without any doubt, I believed in myself. A 68, that's the lowest round of the championship from Van der Velde. I remember watching all of it unfold and I just sat there thinking... What's going on here? He's out with a driver now. I'm not sure this is right. I remember turning around to my caddy and saying, what happened? Where's the ball? When the ball hit the stand and came back short of the burn, we decided to sort of head back in. Now where is he going now? To the front of the green? Yeah, it must be. I don't believe it. Surely not going to go and climb down in there and try to whack it out of there, no. That would be totally ridiculous. The shoes are coming off. He's going to hike up his trousers. Honestly, you cannot imagine a more dramatic finish to the last Open Championship of this century. Now 18, we've all seen it. Did you see it? So I must admit, Rick, I'm a little bit sad. don't know how you feel, because this is actually the last in the series of the Open podcasts. Um, They have promised us, though, there's going to be another series next spring of awesome podcast i say awesome but second best podcasts so you have to wait a year to get paid possibly um but we've thought of another thing as well so obviously we've got the clubhouse now if you're yes. up to date with all the podcast episodes you're in the clubhouse there's also the open of now invented their own clubhouse it's only nine holes okay so you can you can <laughs> you can go around uh, there quite quickly and you can learn a bit as well but if you've enjoyed them on a serious note um we've had, we, we've enjoyed learning haven't we and we've we enjoyed have. um talking about the open podcast but if you have enjoyed them please do make sure you go and subscribe because there will be more coming. Listen to them all, enter the clubhouse, and leave a five-star review as well. Why would you not leave a five-star review? And what would you say on that five-star review, Rick? Rick and Guy sent us to leave a five-star review. Of course you would. My favourite episode, so there's been nine so far, and there'll be the seventh yep. one coming out today, the Tuesday. My Honestly, my favourite one, and more because I remember it happening so vividly, so to walk back, I've had lots of favourable open podcasts, definitely. <laughs> But the one that I honestly genuinely believe I enjoyed the most was the Tom Watson one. That was number one, wasn't the it? The very first episode. And you know why? Because I remember it so mm. vividly. Um, really enjoyed the Gary Evans one. But that for was me, my favourite. Was that yours? Mm. For me, I don't. I didn't remember. I didn't know that at the time. So I, I almost didn't relive it. Where the Tom Watson one, it really took me back to a mm. time where I was like, 
I remember sitting there watching this happen. Yeah. And I've got now Tom Watson talking in my ear, telling me what actually happened in Stuart Sink. So it was an amazing series. I'm excited to see how they come back again next year. And again, thank you to the Open Podcast for sponsoring the number one podcast in golf, the Rickshaw's Golf Show podcast. I think I said there was nine and there was ten. I got that wrong. Yeah, ten episodes. Um, so, I wanted the jingle again because I liked doing it last week. But I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll have a game of rock, paper, scissors. And whoever, do, whoever wins can do the jingle. How's that sound? I'll let you do the jingle if I can introduce no, let, him. No, let's do rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Right. One, two, three. I win anyway. So, um, you want to introduce it and then give me a nod and then I'll do the jingle. Okay. Sit back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> For what I... You're going to hear me fangirl. You're going to hear guy fanboy. <laughs> We had, you went girl and I'm fanboy. We had time, precious time, a long time, over an hour, with what I would consider the best YouTuber on the planet. Yeah, fair. After me. I mean, before, no, I'm joking. Definitely, Definitely before me. Ladies and gentlemen, Marquez Brownlee. Count me in from three. One, two, three. Ready to go? We are. I'm nervous. I'm nervous, excited. <laughs> Today, we are joined by one of the biggest YouTubers on the planet. I've been a massive fan yes. of Marquez for a long time, and I know you have. For sure. We've got him on the podcast today. I literally can't believe we've got him on the podcast, but what I like about the fact we've got him on the podcast is that you can be humbled by his numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Marquez, there's not many people, when I, when I speak numbers, YouTube numbers, when I speak to you, I'm going to kind of shelter back a little bit. Normally in my world, in golf world, I can I can flex a little bit. <laughs> Today, I've got no flex <laughs> at all. Without further um, delay, thank you so much for coming to the podcast, Marquez Brownlee, a.k.a. MKBHD, as one of the biggest YouTube channels in golf. 13 million subscribers. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Dude, I've been watching your videos, too, because I've been playing a lot more golf lately, and... I, you know, you, you've got all these club reviews. I was thinking about getting new clubs. Obviously, tons of your videos are showing up and uh, all these tips, videos, and stuff like that, trying to get a lot more golf in. So the respect is mutual. I appreciate your content for sure. Oh, thank you so much. That's uh, say high praise indeed. Yes. Well, one of the things I wanted to do first, Marquez, was I think as we've said before, it's going to be a chilled out podcast. We want to get to know a bit more about you, a bit more about the channel, which obviously, as Rick said, we watch so much of. A little bit more about your golf history as well, because one of the things I noticed a lot of people do know is your oldest video on the channel, which is 12 years old, is you hitting a golf shot. Yeah. And maybe Rick can critique that at some point, because I'm sure the title was something like, <laughs> I would love um, that. like people um, cri- uh, critique my golf swing. So we need to get that done. In, um, in a weird way, you're the original golf YouTuber. <laughs> That's, you could you could have you could have had this golf world wrapped up. You know, I eh? might have if I'd kept going with the golf videos, it might have been a very different path. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> just just a bit. We've got some quick fire questions to get started with. Well, they are quick fire. They're kind of either or uh, answers, and it's just to get a little bit to know a bit more about you. And we do these when whenever we have a guest, but we kind of tail them a little bit more for the guesting questions. You'll see what I've done here. Feel free to expand on them um or just give us your one word. First one nine holes or the driving range oh give me nine holes yeah i'm just i i get i get in a zone on the range and i always hit a great on the range and i'm i just need to get on the course more so i'm gonna go with nine yeah i think that's the popular choice it is netflix or youtube oh youtube for sure is there even is that even a question 
I gotta go YouTube. It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be. But unfortunately, we've had a few people say Netflix, which we're a little bit disappointed about. Mm. This is a one that's a little bit more tailored to you. Steve Jobs or Elon Musk? Hmm. I mean, that's that's like Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Like, they're both clearly top. I don't know how I pick between them. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Steve Jobs because he made a couple of the products, not physically made, but he's responsible for some of the products mm. that are the only reason that I am into tech right now. So I'll go with I'll go with Steve Jobs. Tiger or Jack Nicholas? I'm, I'm gonna go Tiger. And I know some of the people a little older than me might not go Tiger, but I'm going with Tiger. Good shout. Driving or putting? I mean, I want to say driving, but I'm going to go putting because I, th- I feel like that's the strongest part of my game. And the, what they say is true. You drive for show, putt for dough. I feel like that's really, uh, I feel like I play with a lot of people who pick driving and then the, the, the putting falls apart and it's kind of a pain to see. So I'm going to go putting. This next one might not be the best, but I kind of got a little bit inspired by partly because it's slightly techy and it's something we've been doing so much of recently. But Zoom call or face to face meeting? Huh. Uh, you know, Zoom call is good. I like a good Zoom. It's quick. People want to get off, so they try to try to get everything done as quickly as possible. Face to face, you got to go somewhere. You know, you gotta you gotta put you put your nice clothes on and everything. You don't know what kind of pants I have on right now. This is, this is <laughs> he's, like, he's got any on. I was gonna say if you have any. Exactly. <laughs> that, that face then. First app you open in the morning. Uh, well, the alarm goes off, and then I'm gonna say uh, Twitter. Twitter. Favorite golf brand, if you have one. Callaway. Callaway. That's something we'll come on to a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, I was going to say, I want to elaborate that on, yeah. on that a bit. Okay, so this one, Augusta, right? You can play Augusta, which obviously is the holy grail for golfers. It's like impossible to get onto. But Augusta, on your own, with no playing partners, you can't film it. It's just you going out and enjoying the course. Or 18 holes at your local course with two friends and Tiger. Oh, man, that is a good one. <laughs> that is a really good one. Um, I'm going to say... Uh, 18 with my friends and Tiger at the local course because I would learn a lot from that. I would learn about how he attacks the course, how he plays. I might get some swing tips. I'll probably never get to, the chance to play with Tiger again. Maybe I'll get to play another really nice course again, but I feel like watching Tiger tear apart Galloping Hills in New Jersey would be something <laughs> pretty wild. That's the name of a golf course, Galloping Hills. Mm-hmm. Wow. I feel like what's worrying is that Marquez has probably got more chance of playing with Tiger than you, Rick, <laughs> yes. which is going to ha- just destroy Rick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the final question, again, this one's a little bit more tailored towards you, something I was personally interested in to know. You're going away for a week's vacation, but it's a little bit of work as well, as, as it obviously would be for yourself. You can't just turn off that much. You can only take one smartphone. What are you taking? One phone. Mm. Um, honestly, right now, I'd take the uh, iPhone 12 Pro. Because I know a lot of, you know, there's there's better phones of certain things, but a lot of photos and videos from this phone look better than any other phone at the moment. Uh, and if I'm only going, you know, playing a little golf, maybe I take some videos, uh, take some scenery photos, I'll probably take the iPhone just to be safe. It was actually your review we watched the other day. So we, we'd been filming here, mm-hmm. and Rick's got an iPhone 11 Pro, haven't you? Yes, I have. We're all team iPhone here. And he's been great. He really wants a new one. He wants a 12 Pro. But you wanted a Mac, didn't you? I wanted a Max, and I watched your review, 
And I must admit, I watched your review and actually I was ready. My, my, my finger was pressed on by. Mm-hmm. And right at the end, you kind of said, oh, I'm not, whatever the line was, I'm not quite sure. And I went, oh, let me just, let me just put that away for a little bit. Um, I, want, I want to, because obviously shops and stores and stuff are, are closed over here at the moment. They've only really just started to reopen again. I wanted to get my hands on a Max to really get the feel of it. Because I've got 11 Pro, and obviously with the Max, it being a better video and a better photo. We use iPhone a lot for some of the clips that we shoot on. I mean, the video footage is incredible. Yeah. So good, yeah. Uh, so, do you have the you have the 11 Pro or the 11 Pro Max? 11 Pro. Okay. I have had Maxes in the past, but this time with the extra benefit of the Max phone, I felt like there was something a little bit more special in there. Yeah, I mean, I watch your videos and I I feel like I can see the iPhone footage. Like when you get those moving angles and those iPhone mm-hmm. shots, I see that. I'm like, that's a perfect use of the iPhone camera for that stuff. Uh, yeah, the Max is just it's a great camera. Obviously, don't get me wrong. But a lot of my review is focusing on should you get the 12 or the 12 Pro Max, right? And the difference between those two is so small, you could get either one and be fine. But if you have an 11 Pro, I won't talk you out of either one of those upgrades. There's, they're going to be an amazing camera again. You get HDR added to the, to the mix with all the, you know, the sun coming in the side of your shots and stuff like that. So it could feel like an upgrade. I just wouldn't spend another 100 or 200 to get the Max just because it's the Max. It feels to me a bit lost there. It feels to me a little bit like Apple's products are getting almost like so. I've just got the uh, the new watch, but SE version. I always kind of like having the better Apple stuff. But for me, the six, it didn't feel. I mean, obviously, it had the always on display, and it had a few different features. Like was it the ECG and stuff, which you know you might use once or twice the blood oxygen. Mm-hmm. But it feels like Apple's products are getting closer, and also with the normal twelve and the twelve mini. In terms, I mean, obviously, you know much more than I do. But in terms of the specs, they do feel quite similar to the to the Pro this year. Yeah, a lot of that is just in like how mature, that's the word I like to use, how mature the product category is. For their phones and their watches and even the iPads, they're very mature. So the difference between the best one and like the almost best one is almost nothing. But in like the brand new products, maybe if you're getting those, you know, the AirPods and the new headphones they just came out with, the difference between the nice one and the not so nice one might be a pretty big leap. So I think with the watch, you're safe. With the phone, you're safe. But it's sometimes interesting to look at like those crazy new products that come out with because that that's where the differences are. Yeah, exactly. I want to dive into golf. Sure. You get some great great questions on you know some of the answers there. What's your greatest golf achievement? Uh, is definitely my hole in one. Uh, I don't really have any other golf achievements, so I feel like it has to be that. Um, but when I was, talk me through it, talk us talk us through it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the course got torn up. It doesn't exist anymore, which is sad. Um, but it's a course in New Jersey. I was playing with my uncle who doesn't play much, but he was a lefty. It was on the back nine. I want to say it was like 15 or 16 or probably 15. And it's just a short par three, a little bit uphill. And I remember I was playing, it was, the course is almost empty. And my uncle was like, he was like, kind of like walking out of the woods or something. And I was like, not sure he was watching my shot. So every time I play with him, I'm like making sure he watches every shot. So I was like, here goes nothing. And I said it out loud because I was wanting to make sure he knew I was hitting. I hit the shot, two hops, rolls in, hits the pin, drops. And we just looked at each other like, I think that just went in. And I, we just had to run up to the green and make sure it really did go in. Um, yeah, I've never hit another hole-in-one since, but I feel that's easily my best golf accomplishment. That's super rare. Have you got a hole yeah. in one? 
I have, yeah. It was. Uh, it's definitely up there as one of my greatest accomplishments. I, I got it in open qualifying, so I was trying to qualify for the open in 2017, so three years ago. Now, the only thing, <laughs> and I can't actually believe this happened, uh-huh. considering I pretty much only hit golf shots on camera to some degree, my hole-in-one was not on video. Uh-huh. Now... Luckily for me, there was probably about 40 to 50 people around the actual golf because it, with it being a tournament, it was on the 17th hole, so quite near the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, my group had a, a fairly decent following and it was quite a nice pitch rest par three. That was the only saving grace that there was lots of people around and you could bloody hear us when, when that thing went in. I mean, the whole amphitheater of the hole exploded and it was a, such a flush golf shot. But it's yeah, the best. it's. I, I was asking everyone, someone, has anyone got that on video? Has anyone got that? And literally, no, I couldn't believe it. So I still need one on video. I think the day when I get one on video, that's when I catch you up on subscribers. That's when I overtake <laughs> you on Twitter. That's when I take you over on Instagram. Because some of your numbers, not only on, obviously, YouTube, on other platforms. I mean, you like 4.4 million followers on Twitter, right? I think that is probably correct, yeah. I mean, it's... I don't have a hole in one on video either, so I think that. And it's also <laughs> you described the the atmosphere. That's real though. I've witnessed some other hole in ones. I used to be a caddy. I I ah. caddied for a hole in one, and on the same course, I got torn up playing it years later. Uh, two holes or three, whatever the the last hole was, is also a par three. And I saw someone else freak out and start sprinting towards the green. I was like, "That's a hole in one." Like you can yeah. tell when oh, it happens. Oh, you know. So. Well, I've been present to about eleven. Like I've played with people, yeah, yeah, I've seen wow. a lot of hole-in-ones. Some are classic where you can proper see it go in and everyone explodes on the tee. Others are a little bit more subtle where you're not sure it's gone in or it's a blind green mm. and you've walked up to it and you're walking around and going, mm. just check the hole. Has it gone in? And someone gone, oh yeah, it's gone in. Yeah. And that's a, much, that's a much more subtle kind of approach. Guys had two. I have had two, but there's a, there's a, the story's not great. The first one I had... As a junior, I was playing with my friend's like father, who was a junior kind of coordinator, so that at least was a witness. But it was honestly a horrendous shot. I tried to like punch a five iron, a bit of a tiger stinger, thinned it. It was horrendous. It bounced over a bunker, went over the green, couldn't see it go in at all. Got there, and it was in. And I was, I think, I was fifteen. So part of me was obviously over the moon. I've got a hole in one, but it was a horrendous shot. And what made it even worse? This is the worst part of it. It got put in a local magazine. It's like obviously a tiny distribution, like a little local magazine. And it put it down. I was playing off the yellow tees when I was playing off the whites, which are further back. Uh. So it said something like, Guy Charnock hit a five line 120 yards. <laughs> and I was like, no, I was trying to do a little stinger from like 150. So that kind of ruined it. But so Marquez, obviously we, we now know that you play golf. I know that your oldest video on the channel is you playing golf, but... How of, how did you start playing golf, and how often do you still play? And have you played more recently? Because it feels like a lot of people that are kind of into it have got a lot more into it with the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. I, I started playing when I was nine, and I just got like these plastic clubs hitting around in the backyard or whatever. My 10th birthday, which is in December, I got my first set of clubs. And that's when I was obsessed. I immediately went to the range. It was like 25 degrees. It was snowing sideways and i was on the range with my dad just trying to play some golf so i was super hooked really early um but i didn't really get to play too much competitively there's a there's a little bit in new jersey my high school didn't have a team i played two years on what's called the junior pj of new jersey so there was some competitive local junior golf and i got to play at um 
sent an email to the college that I went to asking the golf coach uh, what handicap I should have to play for the team. And I got an email saying, we don't, we're not looking for any walk-ons. We go, you know, play something else. Wow. And I was like, wow, all right. So I didn't play golf for, for college either. Um, and I've played a lot of Ultimate Frisbee, uh, mm-hmm. both professionally and for clubs, uh, since those days. So now, obviously, team sports are canceled. And so I've gone back to playing a lot of golf this summer. I've noticed a lot of people playing a lot of golf. Um, it's hard to get a tee time, actually. There's a lot. But uh, I've played a lot more this year, definitely. Probably got like 12 rounds in this the past couple weeks. And yeah, I, I feel like I've I've sort of found my swing again. But yeah, it, it, it's old for me. It's it's a 10-year-old swing that I'm finding. <laughs> and how, how much, you know, do you, do you have a handicap? Do you follow your scores much even now? Yeah, I, I so I have an app that I track my rounds with. And Obviously. I don't think it's... <laughs> I don't think the handicap calculator is accurate, and I think it's because of the nine, the couple nine hole rounds I've played. Because it has me at a seven okay. right now, and okay. I'm not a seven. I'm gonna say I'm like a twelve, thirteen maybe. Uh, but I've broken eighty twice this year, and I've shot a lot of rounds in the mid and low eighties. So, yeah, well, I think somewhere I think in there. the only thing you've got to bear in mind is a handicap is you on a good day. Okay. So sevens, not probably not far away. If you, because I saw one recently, shot seventy nine, right? Yeah. And I'm guessing is that on a par seventy two? Seventy one. So I was eight over. So. Yeah. So yeah. it does take. I'm probably probably seven might be a fraction low, but if you're off thirteen, twelve or thirteen, and you've got the capabilities of shooting in the seventies, you probably are closer to maybe a nine or ten handicap in reality. I'll take that because my the lowest I ever got measured when I was playing on the Junior PGA of New Jersey was nine point six, and I was I was just oh. like I have a single digit handicap. That's all I want to yeah. say to people, you know. Uh, so I, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I think you're much closer than that. And then what's you mentioned it earlier on? You said your putting was one of your strengths of your game. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what's a weakness? What's the what's the worst part of your golf game? Uh, I think a lot of people will probably relate long irons. And lately, driving is on and off. So I have, <clears throat> I played a, when I was out weirdly uh, <laughs> doing a project with David Blaine in Arizona, we got a couple random days off and we were a block from a golf course. And I went out there and I was like, let me just go play this course. We have a day. I rented clubs. I got a Sim Max. I'd never hit this club before in my life. And for some reason, that whole round, I was hitting it like 308. 312 hitting fairways i was like i gotta get this club i've never hit 310 yard drives can i just check something were you playing with david blaine here no i was not like was i was gonna say (laughs) was there some magic going on at this point i wish right um so i get back here uh i end up getting fitted for a a regular sim driver but i love the club but i i have not been hitting anywhere near that well until my last round again i was I, i shot 79 but i was hitting like pretty great drives so my driving was very inconsistent i would say um but when i was growing up playing junior golf i learned from the inside out my putting's always been the best part your, your swing i know i was joking at the start but on that video the first one you could you swing look good there was some speed i, I don't know like so I've, you never post i never i've never seen a, a recent swing video from you yeah i'm gonna have to send you one i get like some swing tips from you or something like that yeah definitely would love that okay i like to say i've not seen i see the the artsy pictures of the golf club and the sunset and the scorecard <laughs> and a few i'm thinking 
shows you swing i'm desperate to see it but I, I suppose again you might then fall in the trap of a lot of people do they'll stick a swing on certainly on twitter i don't know what you you see on twitter yeah and suddenly you've got 4.4 million followers but they all turn into golf pros by the way as soon mm. as you put a video swing yeah. on they all turn into golf pros yep. <laughs> who give you advice swing tips all kinds of stuff yeah 100 yeah, exactly. percent um, so we're going to come back onto golf in a bit. We want to definitely touch on golf tech as well because that's something. I mean, obviously, golf tech's always been a thing, but over the last couple of years, it's really become so much more kind of popular. And there's so many people with apps tracking scores and um, things in the end of the club that can track your distances, etc. So obviously, the vast majority of our audience, I'm sure, will know who you are. But um, you're obviously a tech viewer on YouTube online. How did how did that kind of come about? Because again, some of your earlier videos were obviously a youngster just kind of messing about on youtube and trying different things how did that become from that to, to what you are today yeah so i mean it was 11 years ago when i started uh again i was just in high school uh had some allowance money and i was trying to figure out what laptop to get for high school just to to be able to do homework and all this stuff he's writing these papers and everything um i, I don't want to use a family computer anymore let me find out what laptop i should get so i just watched like a ton of youtube videos about all these laptops to find out what the best one I could spend my money on was. I landed on one, I bought it, and then when I got it, there was some stuff that I didn't see in those other videos. And so for whatever reason, my natural instinct, because I love the tech, was just like to turn the camera on myself and just make a video about the thing that I saw that no one else made a video about. And just uploaded that. It was like the the remote control for Windows Media Center and like the PCI slot in the laptop. What 10-year-old, you know, even cares about that? But I just made the video, right? <laughs> Upload that. I think the next video I made was about the cooler I got for the laptop. So there's just this really niche, nerdy stuff. But slowly over time, there's a little bit of an audience that grew and was like, oh, what, what about the mouse? Oh, what about this keyboard that you have? Oh, I noticed your speakers. And I just kept reviewing and talking about a lot of the stuff, especially free stuff that I got on the laptop. And it basically just... I mean, snowballed from that. It's, it's I think, 1,400 videos later now. Wow. Uh, so I've had a lot of time to get better at learning my way around tech, learning my way around a camera, and uh, I guess the rest is history. Was there ever a video that really popped for you that really got some momentum, like one of the earlier iPhones possibly or something? I am lucky to say that I think the fact that none of my videos early ever went viral is the best thing that never happened to me. Okay, uh, explain. Because I see so often uh, someone who goes and starts making videos and has a video really pop, right? Whether it's like a single random video they did or a new product they got or something. And from that moment on, all you're really mentally doing, whether you realize it or not, is chasing that again. And you're chasing whether you're chasing the number or you're chasing that feeling or or just whatever was happening in that moment where that popped until eventually you get bored or fade away or stop. For me, I never really had that, but I had like, you know, occasional light bulb moments here or there, three thousand views in a day, four thousand views in a day, like really for me, which was crazy. Um but never really had anything blow up. So it was just kind of me just doing it for the love of it and you know, one day I look back and oh, 500 videos I've uploaded. I, I didn't realize I'd done that many, but suddenly there's, there's this thing I have going on. So I feel like that it, it might have been the best thing that never happened. 
what is weird though with your channel certainly on my well i know it's not just me because i see you tweeting this sometimes i will get the most random video of yours in my home feed ever and it seems to be like almost borderline trending it's like the algorithm sometimes is so mad it's like an iphone 4s review and there's loads of comments <laughs> like who's here in 2020 and stuff yeah well yeah that's the weird thing is now that there's 1400 videos there's about like you say that experience there's about six videos that i've made that youtube for some reason just brings back to the top it's my first video it's my iphone 5s review it's like my hundredth video and there's like a couple more and every couple weeks youtube will go hey we haven't served this and recommended for a while and then they'll just dump it on a hundred thousand people and for whatever reason it's just everywhere i don't know why I got to figure That's out crazy. the secret to whatever that is, but yeah, it exactly. Does if you did that, if you did that fourteen hundred times, yeah. <laughs> but like I say, it, it, it's so interesting hearing that story you were telling there because uh, how old were you when you first made those first? So you didn't high school? Was that age eleven, twelve? Uh, I think I was fifteen. Uh, oh, so a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. And YouTube was must have been really early at that point. Like it wouldn't have been out for very long at that point, right? Yeah, YouTube was a couple years old. I think YouTube was four years old when I started uploading. So there wasn't really any sort of, that's the, that's the other difference now is a lot of kids growing up, if you ask them what they want to be, they're like, I want to be like Rick. I want to be mm-hmm. a YouTuber. And that's what they want to do. In 2009, that wasn't really a thing. That wasn't a profession that people had. So if you started uploading to YouTube, it was either for some passion reason or just because that's just what you wanted to do. Uh, so that's, yeah. another, that's another difference is like, yeah, I wasn't really chasing a viral hit as much as I was just having fun uploading. Yeah, I'd like to say I think I just caught it just before it became a, a desired profession. Like 2011 or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. So 2011, I started making videos, and I was doing it to show. I was a golf coach at a driving range. I wanted to show people how I coached, and I wanted to attract new clients from a from outside of a 15 mile radius of where I coached. Right. Started making videos all on my own, um, kind of not really knowing much about a camera. But I came out of school with two qualifications. I was decent in drama, so theatrical arts and sports. So weirdly, I managed to blend them both together. Perfect. Stick that in front of a camera and uh, started making videos. But again, I, w- I did it before AdSense. I did it before it became, for me, it was it was more, it was an outlay of cost as a promotion. Like I, it was the way I advertised myself. It was no way that I made money back from it. Fast forward a few years, it was like, hold on, actually, this is now maybe switching a little bit the other way. And obviously you came through all of that and continue to ride that and be so successful in tech and obviously build the the empire you currently have now. I mean, obviously we've got loads of questions to ask, but like, what's the team look like now? Like how, (laughs) how big is the team, you know, MKBHD's office? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm in the podcast studio right now. I, our team is currently four, four full, five full time, uh, which would be me, Andrew, Vin, Brandon, and Michael. And I think basically together we kind of, the way I describe it, which maybe this is dumb, but I felt like right before I hired anybody, I was like an octopus. So I'd have like eight arms and all the arms are doing different things. One of them is a writer. One of them is behind the camera. One of them is in front of the camera. One of them is a reviewer. One of them is, you know, finding new tech and, and doing advertising and all this other email stuff. And I feel like adding a team was like chopping off one of those arms and like handing it to somebody and then they could do that one task better than I ever could. Um, so Andrew's behind the scenes with a lot of the the production and the inbox and that sort of thing. Vin and Brandon are great behind the camera. I can't be behind the camera and in front of it all the time. 
um, and also with set design and the robot shots and some editing stuff. I still edit everything, and then Michael's our animator and motion graphics specialist. And wow. so if you can combine all of that, now I don't have to be all of those things. And I think the team, as it expands, will continue to be me chopping off arms and handing it to people. Nice, nice. And would, would you would you pass over the editing duties? Is that quite a, is that the last arm you want to keep hold of? It's definitely the strongest arm because I feel like that's that's a lot of the fun of the videos is made in the edit. It's in the writing, of course, and all the rest of it. But like some of my style is really hard to I found teach to another editor. Mm. And so I've had some editing help in the past, but I would end up like getting that edit back and like going through the whole thing by myself with a fine tooth comb, which didn't really save anybody any time. So I am still editing 98% of, of what you see on the channel. But wow. yeah, maybe someday that will be the last arm. I think one of the, obviously, I was going to say one of the things your channel does well, there's obviously lots of things your channel does well to be as successful as it is. But for me, I'm kind of like the more mass consumer. So I, I really like iPhones. Anything new that's Apple, I'll watch because it's just Apple and I watch everything. I'll watch like fancy Samsung phones or the Fold phones. Like the, the, I've watched most of the stuff, but equally I wouldn't necessarily watch like either the Oppo phones and stuff that are, like more budget or whatever. That's just not as much what I'm into. But whenever I watch your videos, I feel like, again, one of your massive strengths is that you're super detailed. So a real like nerd could watch and enjoy it. But it, it also makes sense. I know. Do you get what? And that's, so some, good. that's something we really struggle with. We do, hopefully do a good job. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
oh, but when we're trying to review golf clubs and there's all these mad technologies in the the carbon, the graphite, and the fusion of this, that, the other, it's like we have golf nerds watching. We also have complete amateurs watching. How do we do both at once? And that's one thing you absolutely nailed, to be fair. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. That that I found is the biggest challenge of our job, both of us, because when you're doing something at scale, you find you have both of these audiences. Mm -hmm. And in order to tie some relatable verbiage into both of them to help them either understand or be entertained, you have to be able to talk to both. Um, In tech, I feel like a lot of people are viewing through that same lens, which is like, the most popular videos of my channel for the past couple of years are the new iPhone unboxing. The new mm-hmm. PS5 this year was super hot. The AirPods. Like, there's, there's some staple products you know people are just going to be curious about. Um, talking to that group of viewers the same way I talk about, like, USB-C standards or, like, what mm-hmm. 5G means for the future of communication, like, that's, that's a challenge. That's kind of hard. Uh, so I, I appreciate that people, that people actually do get to watch them and enjoy them. You, honestly you do such a good job of that one of the things i did as well i, I obviously i watch stuff when it comes out new but um for my birthday i wanted some like because I, I have airpods now that i'm a day-to-day that i love but i wanted some like over-ear headphones and for my birthday my girlfriend got me some as a surprise and she got me the bose ones but she got because it's the four now that you've got and stuff the new ones like the whatever the long name is oh the sony's mark IV. Yeah, yeah sorry yeah, sony yeah. sorry sony's yeah she got me the, the the three the one before so i knew it wasn't the most current but i'm not like super super bothered so i watched your like old review and then i watched your new review and said that the new ones were a little bit better but not much but that was like it almost made me feel even more like happy with them if you know what i mean and that's what we get again on club reviews people watch old ones because they just picked up a driver so obviously golf club reviews i'm sure to some of the tech reviews have a lifespan but there's always people watching and, and enjoying it and stuff yeah i'd be curious like how long the the lifespan is for a golf club review because if you look at my bag right now i've got a, a 2020 driver but i've got iron i have nike irons from like 2010 maybe or two, even older than that probably but with the tech product like the next year's product immediately when that comes out you see a drop in the previous year's products views because it's over no one's buying that anymore new typically anyway so it is a a pretty fast life cycle but i feel like with golf clubs you're not always buying the latest 2020 version every time you might look at last year's clubs stuff like that yeah probably similar to what you're saying in tech you know you obviously our we we need to come up with a name for it obviously you have techtober (laughs) yeah is that right yeah we need one for driver January. <laughs> okay. Because it's, well, it's, it's kind of over December, January, basically. So a lot of the new driver releases come out either start of the year or back end of the year. Okay. Then you'll typically start to see irons coming out in the, in the mid-season, let's say April, May time, roughly. And then you'll see a spluttering of irons coming out kind of September, October time. I think the difference with golf equipment is you get a, a much the, the people are interested about the product straight from the off, but more just about, they just want to know information about the product. What's it saying it's going to do? How much is it? And maybe what's Rick saying about it or other reviews? What are they saying about it? With a, maybe a mindset, they might buy that in two years' time. Like That driver will probably still be available in two years' time or they'll pick up a second-hand one or second-hand market in golf is massive. Like It is really popular, second-hand market. But obviously then there is a massive 
um, amount of people that do want to buy it brand new as well. They might have the last year's model and I'm testing last year's versus this year's and they're going, is it any better than this? Mm. Like the one I've got in the bag, they want reassurance or they want some sort of satisfaction that the one they've currently got in the bag is okay. So I feel like golf reviews kind of cover that base a little bit as well, where as soon as the next one comes out though, the previous one does drop off in views naturally, but mm. sometimes it kind of gets a little bit steady because when they get reduced hand, in price as well. That's People right. start yeah. to then watch them again. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask then, for for golf. Just you might be the person to ask this because I know like the tech upgrade cycle every year. People are like, "Is the new one that much better?" I have the I have last year. Is this year vers- worth getting or not? You could just say yes or no pretty easily. With me, I feel like even though I have like ten year old irons, I don't think I would. Maybe I'm wrong. You could tell me, but I don't think I would gain that much control or distance or anything significant from upgrading and that's 10 years later irons i don't think you would if i'm honest irons are where i can't even relate it to tech in any massive way because irons you want them to do a certain job you want them if you're a better player you might want them to look a little bit different compared to a higher handicapper you might want a little bit more of a forgiving look or a chunkier iron yeah but in general an iron set you want them to hit consistent distances hit consistent heights feel nice look nice now unless you let's say as you as you get much much older and you start to lose distance and you go hold on you know what these irons now maybe aren't hitting it as far as i used to hit them could i get a bit of help is there a set of irons that will give me a bit of help yes or no Irons are tricky. Driver's probably the only one that you could really say year on year that you can measure differences. Okay. It's hard. It's not dead easy, but you can measure ball speed, carry distance, spin rates, dispersion. Um, however, I still think, and we have this discussion a lot, I still think there's less things to explore in golf tech than there is in tech in general. Like when you go through the list of an iPhone, you know, criteria, what's new, there's so much more to review Mm. where golf clubs are somewhat limited because they're so regulated as well with the rules of golf, the RNA and the USGA regulate how fast they can go. They can't go much faster. Like that, we're at the, we're at the limit pretty much right now. Yeah. Um, So that makes it a little bit harder to, um, really dive into something that's new. But to be honest, every year we, we talk to brands and we talk to manufacturers and we think, what are you going to do next year that's going to be that much difference? And each time they just push it a tiny bit, not a lot. I always think they've got to be running out of ideas They've soon. always got claims that we can test, so it's great for us. Yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah, They, it, they might say it's three miles per hour faster than X brand or it's three miles per hour faster than last year's model. Brilliant. Yeah. Let, let's yeah. do that let's test that golf balls do that a lot as well like golf balls say we're faster than last year's models mm-hmm. or we go further than last year's mo- so that, that's dead easy to test as well okay. um and then putters are much more about feel and look so a bit of technology story but not as much and then we, we are definitely going to get onto this the tech side of golf has definitely developed a lot recently so like you're using an app for your for your handicap and stuff well now you can use apps to analyze your game after you've played golf you can put little um devices in the end of your club that will track your progress all the way around the golf and it'll give you it'll give you time to analyze that after the round of golf so we are starting to see these tech advantages come into golf like the the lasers i use a garmin laser and it has a gps digital layout on it you've got gps watches which are massively becoming popular um you've got launch monitors a lot of launch monitors that i use that like 
unbelievable the technology goes into that. Mm-hmm. But they're almost all by factors of actual equipment. That's the only difference in I think, golf. I think that's the thing now. There's certain parts of tech in our lives that we almost can't live without. And and one I always think of that's like related to sport is I would never go for a run now without using my Apple Watch because it would feel like a waste of a run, which sounds bad. And I wouldn't do my, my rings. Yeah. So it's like, that's the level it's got to. In golf, there's, there's some tech like that, like Rick was saying with the um, lasers that you can see how far the flag is and stuff. And you can see, obviously, on GPS is where the bunkers are, where the lakes are, etc. I wouldn't hate to go and play golf without that because I'd feel like I'm really at a loss. But there's not been something, I don't think, yet that feels like... Like, for example, if there was a chip in the golf ball that went with the head, that measured the distance and the speed that put on your phone straight away, that would be an absolute game-changer. That yeah. hasn't quite come in just yet. No. Yeah, I feel like or not. I feel like that's what I would want to ask you. Like, I get asked all the time, what is the tech in, you know, this Ultimate Frisbee, or what's the tech in the sport that you think is going to be great or, like, help your improve improve your game? I don't really see much of it. So, for me... I feel like when I play golf, there's very little tech involved. I have the app that I'm using to keep score. It tells it gives me a yardage, but I have a laser for the yardage, and then that's kind of it. So I don't have a launch monitor. I don't have uh, you know the, you can put the things in your grips to measure swing speed, yeah. things like yeah. that. I don't have any of that. What would you if you could recommend only one like tech thing for game improvement? Because even when I miss a lot of fairways, I feel like I know I'm missing them right, or I know I'm hitting it thin. What would you recommend? Do you use any technology for measuring distances to the holes? Uh, no, just the laser. So I get, like, the app is telling me, like, if there's hazards, you know, 220 to carry the bunker to, to hit the fairway in this spot, that's useful. And then basically when I'm hitting into a green, I'm lasering to the to the pin and, like, estimating where the middle of the green is. Mm. Well, that's, that's about uh, it. If I'm honest, like guys mentioned, that they're the two main ones you definitely need for game improvement. And then really, again, it depends on how much you play golf. I always think, to me, that the devices that go in the end of your club that track the analysis, they're great if you are literally playing every week. Like, if you're playing 40, 40 nearly 50 times a year, mm. and every time you go out, you're thinking, well, what what did I do last week compared to the week before? Or how did I miss? How come I racked up a big score on that hole? Ah, I normally hit driver down the left, and this time I hit driver down the right, so I need to make sure I can miss left and still make par from over there, where any time I've missed right, statistically, it's given me a worse chance to get up and down. There's some other really good apps at the moment that will give you... The more again, the only thing in golf, it's the more times you use a piece of technology, it gets better, it develops with you as a golfer. So there's one device which Garmin brings out, which is like a caddy. So if you've played loads of data and you've got loads of data about all your shots that you've hit, it can basically caddy for you. So it'll say, Right, Marquez, third hole, here are what was that course you said? Galloping you Hills. Galloping Hills. What describe it to me. What is it? A par four? Uh, third hole is uh, is a super downhill short par four with water right, OB left. Oh, perfect <laughs> hole. Yeah. So the caddy system might say to you, right, from all the stats we've measured from you, you'd be statistically better hitting four iron down the right-hand side of the fairway or right-hand side of the hole and having a full gap wedge of 120 yards into this green because statistically that's how you make par better. Than trying to hit driver, even though you might think that's better, leave yourself only 60 yards of the green. But actually, 60 yards of the green, you might think you're good, but statistically, you're not as good as you are from 120 yards, let's say. Mm. 
So okay. that's the type of tech now that we're starting to see develop a little bit more. It's almost artificial intelligence to help you navigate your way around the golf course a little bit more to play to your strengths. And that, that tech will be different if I played that same hole with the same tech. It'd say, actually, Rick, you're not better off hitting four iron because you're better off hitting your driver or you might be better off hitting a, a six iron and leaving yourself a full pitching wedge in or whatever it may be. It'll give you that information. That's really valuable. I just don't feel like it's penetrated the golf atmosphere I think atmosphere what, what's yet. funny though, what so many people almost do wrong, and I think I'm probably included, I don't know if you are Marquez or not, but so many golfers have, of all standards now, which is good, have lasers or have GPS watches. So they know how far they've got to the flag. But what they actually don't know is how far they all hit the clubs. That's so, true. That is true. Uh, a lot. Of, the simplest way of doing that is go into like your local PGA Pro, who's got like a GC quad launch one, like what Rick's got, which closed data, so you could stand either outdoors or indoors and hit every club. So like a gapping session, it's often called. Hit your lob wedge right through to driver, and then have a number. You'd obviously hit maybe five or six to each club, and have an actual number of your distances, because so many, as I said, so many people go, "I've got one five two. What do you hit one five two? Nine nine, I think. I one, like, once I hit a nine nine, yeah. that far. But I think, like I said, where I really would love to see it get to is a brand, whether it be a TaylorMade, a Cobra, a Callaway, actually bring out a full, I don't know how this looks, but a system where you've got a chip in the head or whatever it might be, the same in the golf ball, linked to your phone, and every single shot is just recorded straight away to your phone. That yeah, would yeah. be the absolute pinnacle. Yeah, I mean, it'll yeah. give you data on clubhead speed, ball speed, distances. Yeah, I want that. I want that AI caddy. I feel like that when you're talking about like, would I rather play around alone or with Tiger? I feel like I would. Le- you got the the Phil uh, Phil playing with Charles Barkley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That to me, the best part of that was hearing how Phil coached him. I feel like if I played around with Phil coaching like that, I would take like seven shots off my game. So yeah. I need that. I need that AI caddy to come along pretty quick. Do you do you think you've got the game to be? If you were thrown into the next match, let's say. So it's yeah. you and Tiger versus Phil and um, I'm trying to think of another. Is there any other? Well, the only other. Uh, let's say Tyler from Dude Perfect. Okay. So he's with Phil. You're with Tiger. All televised, like like the matches for big oh for God. big dough for charity. Dope. How do you think you'd cope? You know what? I think I would love that because I think I would I would I would thrive on putting. I'd be like, you know what? If Tiger, if you can get me to the fairway. I'll hit some good iron shots, and I'll make some putts. And I might embarrass us off the tee, and that's okay, because you'll just put us in the fairway. But I think I'd, I'd be okay. I'd be okay. You saw you how Steph didn't play You good. won't be nervous in front of people? I mean, I'll be nervous, of course. But like, I feel like after you get off the first tee, you kind of already are in your own head about like just how you're adjusting and how you're swinging that day. And I feel like I get in my own head about that, and I'm not even thinking about how I look or anything else like that. I feel like I'd be all right after the first hole. <laughs> have you meant have you meant, <laughs> there you go if if the match what that match four now are listening get in contact that'd be a match i'd want to see what um did you ever get to go to any golf tournaments have you ever been to big any big golf tournaments before uh it's been a long time i've been to again when i was playing junior golf i went to a couple pga practice rounds and i went to a couple lpga tournaments uh i have not been to any big tournaments in a long time seems like that would be something i should just just go see him hit in person i remember it looked ridiculous watching them warm up yeah. on the range so oh, yeah so good that's the best bit i think like when you go to a golf event it's obviously great seeing them in person but actually on the course you don't see that much golf obviously compared to like televised but on the range around the short game area 
that is really where you see the difference. And that sound that they make, like if you watch like a, a John Rahm, a Tiger, a Rory, or somebody hitting a driver, it just sounds different, doesn't it? It does, totally different. Yeah, for they're sure. So con- they're so <laughs> consistent. So just just touching back on reviews again, because that's something I had written down we didn't cover that I really want to know from you, Marquez, is when we do a good review of a product, obviously people watch it, but then you get a lot of comments or some comments saying, oh, you've been paid to say that. Then when you give a bad review of a product, you get people saying, oh, you've been paid by another brand to say that. Is that something you see in the tech world? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's maybe that's maybe the most common. I think the tech world might be where it's the most like dramatic um, because for whatever reason, there's this very, uh, you know, fanboyish, almost like borderline toxic, like mentality where like mm-hmm. my thing is better than your, my computer is better than yours. My, my phone's better than your phone. And it's like, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, but yeah, you will see people like taking teams and sort of like hating on <laughs> brands that don't work the way they like them to. And if you say the good thing about the brand, it feels like saying a good thing about the wrong team and they'll probably come after you. Yeah, we, we definitely Absolutely. see it in golf. It's ridiculous. Like, I'm, I don't know. I, I see as you being completely unbiased and you don't, you know, obviously you have relationships with brands, I guess, tech companies, same as we do with golf. I have I have relationships with, with golf companies, so I get the product. They give us we the sign information. Embargo and... We sign embargoes. We make sure we do everything by the letter. Um we get left to our own devices, review it how, you know, as you want. They don't get any any um, editorial control whatsoever. We say what we want, you know. How, how, you know we, I'm a professional golfer, so I, I want to put a professional review together. It's my, my job, my, my uh, livelihood, and I love, I would never put out anything out there that I don't believe in. But like you say, the comments that come in, like, so, so I've been sponsored by every single brand under the sun. <laughs> like, I, I think it's maybe just to some degree, the, the, maybe the, level of naivety of people don't understand how well if you're reviewing a product how are you making money from yeah. it i think that's the only big thing that people can't quite get their head around yeah it definitely comes from a a yeah basically a lack of understanding like if if they were in your shoes how they would behave so you might see like oh this video is sponsored by this how can you ever possibly be objective ever again after getting that relationship with the company um, but I think that's when you're not a professional reviewer and you see that that's how you think you would behave. Mm-hmm. But again, we've been doing this for a long time. There's there's almost like a code we've we've programmed into our businesses, the way we interact with companies. So uh, there's no reason for it to ever become problematic. And uh, I guess that's just not something people quite understand yet. I you think not only, so not only is the money something people understand where they, that's fine, you know, don't need to know that, but I think also what sometimes confuses people is because like Rick getting a new driver essentially for free, you might be getting an iPhone for free, people almost say, well, if I got an iPhone for free, I'd say it was the best thing ever, I'd say it was amazing, or if I got a new driver, I'd say it was, but you guys are so used to getting free products, they, are, they just become almost a tool to make a video with, don't they? It's yeah. not like you actually really get excited to get a, a new free drive or a new free iPhone, it's just after a while let's be honest that novelty wears off yeah right it's, props it's, for the video yeah it's the same mentality it's like well if i got a free thing i would i would be super biased the other thing is in tech most of the time you have to give that thing back most people don't wow. know that you give it right. back and the other thing is yeah we've a thousand videos later do you really think i'm like giving extra special treatment because i got a free you know laptop exactly. to review and i give exactly. it back six months later exactly yeah. it's crazy you know you know which industry in YouTube, I think it's ruined it for. A lot. I think like the beauty industry 
is really mm. bad for reviewing paid products. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from as well. Because, like, my wife will be on Instagram and she'll be like, oh, this new, you know, one of the Kardashians is promoting this new makeup. And you're like, I know, but they've been paid a squillion dollars. And they've mm. been, t- like, I think that, that side of it almost tarnishes what I'd see as the good guys, like, was trying to put a decent review together. It was like, what was that one, Marquez, you caught? Was it that gal, what was that girl called that did that phone? Oh, that was so yeah. funny. Oh, man, that's a fun, so Gal Gadot, when she yes, did her promo. Yeah, I don't know if it's because, the, I don't watch that many beauty videos, but I imagine there's got to be some. <laughs> me, me neither, let me just clear that up, I don't either. <laughs> but there's got to be, like, some personalities that are, like, based in being genuine and and objective reviewers but if they don't have as much of that, then there's not going to be as much holding anyone accountable for them to just do whatever, you know, sponsored, biased, whatever they want to do. Um, so when I think of a Kardashian, I don't think of, oh, I trust her because mm. she's always willing to call out the bad things. It's like, no, she's never had that reputation ever. So I wouldn't trust yeah. her to, to surface good things either. Do you, think it, do you think it should be re- like regulated anyway? Or is that... Is that too hard to I do? Think it, I think with YouTube, it's so difficult, isn't it? I think, like you said, I suppose, like what Mark has said, then you kind of know the pit, or, or you, you you learn to, to trust the, the ones that you trust, don't you? Like, you just, you have a feeling, don't you, when people are telling honest reviews, and when you watch review and there's a balance of good points and bad points and things like that, I think you just, you do just know, don't yeah. you, after a while? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, they try to regulate it, and I think there's a certain level of, like, you know, you have to have your disclosure when anything is paid, when there's product placement. But I do see a, a weird, uh, I don't know, what to, maybe it's a double standard, uh, where certain productions, when they're bigger, like movies or TV shows, don't have to include the same disclosure that you do have to include when you're a, an influencer, as you may call what we do. Uh, so when you see like a like an Old Spice ad in Kevin Hart's YouTube show, they're not hashtag ad on any of that obviously when Shaq posts a picture of a truck he likes because they gave him one there is no disclosure but when you and I are doing everything by the book there's proper disclosure everywhere so it's a, it's kind of a murky waters at this point I think it's still maturing yeah definitely what um what's the plans for the for the golf let's say let's say we had the same chat this time next year and the mm. end of 2021 what would you love to see your golf game progress to? Do you have plans to play more, less? Are you going to be busier next year? What's the what's the plans? Well, I mean, I played a lot more this year because team sports were canceled. So if I'm hoping all of the world slowly starts getting back to normal, we have a vaccine, we can play team sports again, I probably will be playing like back to my you know, twice a month level of golf, which isn't enough to get better. <laughs> but I, I do imagine being at least a little more consistent and uh, playing more often during the year than I did in the past. That would be nice. Yeah. So more more just amount of golf you play in as opposed to trying to get a, a more fixed single figure handicap. It's more you just want quantity. Yeah, because there's, I mean, I can play, there's a couple of dream courses I want to play. That's definitely, you know, I think my game is good enough that I could go to uh, any number of courses and like have a good time instead of struggling around. Um, but I don't know if I'm ever going to be a scratch golfer playing a couple times a year. What's so. your dream courses? Uh, so actually, number one is I play, I stayed in a hotel room that looked over the 18th hole of Pebble Beach, but I didn't get to play. And to me, that vaulted it up to number one on my list. Watching yeah. people play that course with the, the beach right there, that, that's that got to be my number one. 
Um, I think Augusta, probably number two. I know there's some really hard courses where I'd probably never play from the tips where the pros play, but I kind of just want to see what it's like to play the courses they play. So uh, basically any of the courses in the Tiger Woods PJ video games from like 2006, <laughs> 2007, those would be good. Yeah, that was, I think 05 was my favorite where you yeah. get sponsored by brands. It was just like that was the best game yeah. ever. Yeah, they tried to bring out a golf game again this year. Have you had a chance to play it at all? Have you, was it 2K21? 2K, yeah, something like that. Yeah, 2K. Yeah, Justin Thomas is the cover athlete, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> just, to, just another question, actually. I was thinking this before. You know your Nike clubs that you've had for mm-hmm. 10 years that you still like? Were they fitted to you or not? Were they custom fitted? No, I got them... I believe they were secondhand, actually. Uh, basically, right around then when I was getting new clubs, I, this is when I had, you know, all all these old clubs. I had a seven wood, I think, at this time. I had a sixty four degree wedge. I just had a weird set, but I still have the same putter from TaylorMade, and I still have the same irons, and they're they're basically my size. Like they don't, okay. they're not like fitted to be my size. But now that I'm six three, it fits me well. So, so yeah. that was the only. Certainly, like we are saying, in terms of tech and irons, there's not been a great deal of change. The only place where you could really look at possibly fine-tuning and gain that bit more consistency would be through a fitting, because you're pretty tall, I think, aren't you? So, like, obviously, you'd want a typically longer and more upright lie angle. Uh, like thicker grips. Yeah, different shafts, different flexes. And that's not going to yeah. make you go out and shoot 12 under par, clearly, but it definitely would tighten up your consistency. Yeah, I did get new grips on them. So I started playing more at the beginning of the summer. I got everything regripped, so they're all slightly thicker golf mm-hmm. pride grips. My putter is a thicker grip. That did help me a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, the driver is nice. I have the new three. I have the Maverick three wood, yeah. and the Maverick hybrid. And then yeah, those irons are the same. And I have a. I think it's a Titleist. It might be a Vokey. It's a matte black wedge, basically. Nice. And uh, Stand- and then that standard. putter. Has to be Matt yeah. Black. It's gotta be. Gotta be. Well, um, here's a question. And I kind of feel like I want to take this off the podcast, but I'm gonna be brave enough to ask it on. <laughs> Tomorrow you become a golf reviewer. Okay. Mm. What do you do different? Oh wow. From what's already being done? Yeah. Huh. You know, I feel like I, I want like, to take this offline. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. give anyone else the secrets, but is there anything anything recommendations? Well, it's kind of funny. My, I never really know how to recommend. Like a lot of people ask me, "How do I get started?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, I I started 11 years ago, so I'm not yeah. the best person to ask." So hard. But from what I've been doing, I've really built up this a lot of fun of just like this over the top, super high end production. Uh, so we have so much fun with like our camera shots and our high quality and our resolution and our robot and all this fun stuff. So I imagine if I was getting into golf t- uh, golf videos, I'd probably bring some of that same over-the-top production. Like I'd shoot it on red cameras and there would be like steady cams following me down the fairway and all kinds of over-the-top stuff like that. But that would be fun. That would be fun. Slow-mo angles, super compression, super slow-mo compression impacts reviews, stuff like that. You if get you into saw that. how we reviewed, <laughs> no, as in like the equipment, I must admit that's the one thing and I... I'm so impressed. I suppose there's a, there's a few differences, but it's not as if you only release one to two videos a month at the quality you release them. You release, what, eight to ten videos a month, if not more some months, at the quality you release them. Like, that is serious output at such an incredible qu- level of quality. Yeah. I don't feel 
we could, even if we shot on all the reds and all the slow motions, which again would be way, way beyond our expectations, I don't ever think we could even get that amount of output. I feel like we'd release one video every six months. I think that, that that's definitely true, but I think it very much depends on the content you're creating and the industry you're in. So there is some people in golf who've really taken the, the level of production up a notch, which are, but the views aren't massively there because although it looks aesthetically really good and somebody like you, Marquez, would look at it and really kind of uh, rate it highly it. and appreciate it, yeah, because you know what to look for. But the average mm-hmm. consumer who's got half an hour spur after a busy day at work wants to watch some YouTube content, the actual content of those videos isn't always that great although it looks great yeah. whereas for, suppose for you in the tech world where a lot of your viewers want the information want it to be explained easily again which we touched on before which you definitely do i think they appreciate that the robots and stuff and the different angles and how crispy it is and everything so it, it kind of works well not to yeah do it. Like, exactly. it'd almost seem weird for you not to do that i think the yeah. other big thing as well typically and i'm sure you without question you'll have your challenges without without doubt but you've got a slightly more closed environment you can film in. So obviously in your in your warehouse that you've got there, you'll have filming spaces, etc. And again, I'm sure it comes with many, many different mm. challenges. One of our biggest challenges, it's out on the golf course. It's like in the UK. In the UK, weather. where it's cold. Similar, I know you get it cold in New Jersey as well, but it's like, it's cold, it can be wet. We could be somewhat of a time restriction. Because I, I saw a tweet when you went, I can't believe when you're out on the golf course, it's always quiet. Like we do that because we get out there early to film. Okay, we yeah. pick our quiet spots. That's because I was say I watched some of your videos and I'm like, does he have the whole course to himself? Like, actually, how do you make these this incredible like actually, quiet? Like, I I'm bought the golf course. Maybe it's I'm, 13 I'm million. Gonna, I'm going to level with you. I bought the golf course outright. Full <laughs> of Phil Mickelson, right? Yeah, no, um, I I feel like I watched them. I'm like, oh, if I could hit like 10 seven irons into this green right now and like measure my measure my dispersion and like really find out how far I hit every club, I would love that kind of time. Um, but no, you're right. It's like maybe maybe that's like an arm you guys have to cut off and hand to someone and then that slowly gets better over time because you don't want to immediately just get in the deep end and suddenly you have like a a red camera and you don't know what to do with it but what was that camera we we borrowed so guy i went to school with reached out he works with black magic who loaned us some cameras and we have two camera operators who are really good but very much like you say it's it's on iphone and it's on a camcorder and to be Mm -hmm. honest we didn't even take them out of the box did we which is quite bad to say we didn't even we were almost scared we we were weren't we We were scared to use them i I can't remember the camera i use now it's like a sony ax 700 or something like a camcorder 4k 30 rep you know 30 frames per second and like guys said we've got two cameramen and editors and we've we've just taken on a new recruit as well who's going to manage social media and the podcast a bit more but like i say we, we're so based on we've got to get the shots we've got to get it now it's, it's got to be quick and like i say we've got this black magic mm-hmm. and it came in this briefcase which looked like it should have had a million dollars in it as opposed to a camera <laughs> and it just scared me to death like yeah. i didn't know where to start at all and i fear spending all the time in production and suddenly we get back and it, it was out of focus mm. or the audio was rubbish or whatever like it just scares me to death that is a that is a big thing like if you you will you'll basically find that the better the production value the longer it takes basically and if the more you value time the that's like an inverse relationship with how fast you're able to to make good shots so if i was making golf videos I I would probably start with worse quality than what you guys are doing and like slowly have to figure out where I can take an extra minute and get a couple more shots cuz some of the some of the best looking videos that you see were like some of the cringiest 
month-long shoots, the most difficult, like, long process you could imagine. So it, it just wouldn't be quite the same. You know, I've, I'm going to ask you, because if I don't ask you, if you don't ask, you don't get. I would love to do a collaboration. I would, a too. Golf, tech, collaboration. Yeah. What and I think it, you'd... What could it be? I think if I, if we can find a course where, like, we can actually go play and, like, use tech and like measure like figure out what golf tech is worth it basically because that's always been that's been my question and i think a lot of people will be wondering the same thing like let's take someone who's never used golf tech and let's see if they can actually get better using this portable you know launch monitor or maybe just some some little thing like on attachment to a club or a different golf ball what actually makes a difference uh that would be pretty sweet i mentioned callaway earlier i I hate callaway golf balls just because i think they look awesome i love the hex I love the hex dimple, and I don't yeah. care if a Pro V1 goes further or is softer. I just like the hex dimple, and I feel like no golf ball can be that much better to take me away from that. Yeah, there's. I, I'd love to do a tech video. I think mm-hmm. golf tech, when, when, when we're in New Jersey, when, when, like I say, the world becomes a normal place again next year, I definitely think we should get something in because I think shooting out on the golf course on reds with the the robot and the slow motion and all that we could make a killer video we really could i mean so um thanks for your time anyway marquez it's been oh, been honestly. awesome um it feels weird actually like i sometimes see people who watch rick's channel who go like, oh my god that's rick shields gonna get a picture and they're a bit like starstruck but i think the pair of us today hand on heart look quite starstruck <laughs> to- i am i you are literally i've met i've met quite a few now celebrities professional golfers and stuff i think it's the fact i respect what you do so much and i love what you do so much that i was so excited about this call today and doing the podcast like i was saying to guy i'm like i'm like nervous before this it's like a nervous energy but you do you absolutely cool rick play yeah, it no, cool. play it cool it's all right but what you like say what you've done for tech what you've done for youtube um you know do you last 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 questions i know with type of time where do you see the future of youtube going potentially do you see like where's the next five years on youtube do you see yeah i mean i every year on youtube i imagine like things can't get even bigger than they already are or more scaled and then they do so the number one thing i expect is just for there to be more bigger more diverse communities in like every little niche whether it's tech or like golf or golf tech that's probably going to grow uh, and just seeing all kinds of new creators and, and new people doing great things, I think it's sweet. Um, but yeah, you know, I kind of just you, you hope the world <laughs> comes back to a, a normal place exactly. and you're able to do more in-person collabs and all kinds of fun stuff like that because I kind of miss that. As as fun as it is doing lots of virtual tech events and not having to go fly all over the place, you kind of do miss like seeing your friends and like going to, to unique locations uh, so I feel like uh, I'm I'm fin- crossing my fingers for that too. But yeah, yeah, just my more last better. last question. <laughs> Sorry, Got one more last one. Do you sure. think it's easier to start YouTube now than it was ten years ago when you started? Twelve years ago, one hundred percent. You think it's easier now? So if the question is, is it easier to start? Yes, it's definitely easier to start. If the question is, is it easier to stand out? No. It is harder to stand out. And so when, when you talk to someone who's like, I want to start a channel right now, their goal has to be not to stand out or to be famous or make a lot of money or just become a YouTuber. Your goal has to be, I want to make videos and have fun with it. And if you can do that and 
do hundreds of videos and never make a cent from it and nobody ever watches them, but you just have fun making this thing, then you win. But if your goal is like to start a channel today and become the next dude perfect, good luck. It's harder than ever. Uh, I think we both have the advantage of starting a long time ago, and that's yeah. why we are where we are. So Yeah, I agree. I agree. Amazing. Honestly, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, uh, awesome. No, I can't even believe we didn't say anything about the Forbes under 30 under 30, but congratulations on that. That is <laughs> ridiculous. Thank you. That is thank so you. I cool. appreciate it. That is so cool. Um, awesome. Without question, if you're listening and you, you've not checked out Marquez's YouTube channel, go and do it. It is one of the best in the world. And hopefully, future collaboration coming soon. Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 